This is the Wes and Walker Show. Yeah, the Ric Flair documentary was fire. It's Wes. This came out. It's on Peacock. It's called Woo. And, uh, <laughs> I heard it was. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, this man said real quick. And Walker. It is called Woo. It's not the most glowing review of the title. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. And like, I thought there would be like a lot of emphasis on the Oh. Woo! And he was just like, it's called Woo. Clock on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are excited. We've given a few more emphatic woos on this show, especially this week, because we're all ready for college football to start. And even if we got week zero, I know, Wes, you partook in a little bit of the Sam Hartman action. Not quite ACC action, but close enough to it. Sam Hartman playing like 17 yes. years with Wake Forest before transferring <laughs> to Notre Dame. We will get some true ACC action this weekend. Who better to talk about? about it then andrea adelson of espn she joins us on the body works plus guest hotline and you can follow her twitter uh and i highly suggest that you do at a adelson espn andrea thank you so much for the time how excited are you for some actual football this weekend oh man i can't wait i'm already trying to make my plans to figure out which screen is going to have which game because <laughs> we've got multiple games on starting tomorrow let's so, yeah, go very excited well, and this is what I want to ask you. Okay, so you cover the ACC very well, extensively for a long time now. I have to imagine that this offseason, with all the realignment talk still ongoing, by the way, with even the interesting matchups that you have week one, a lot of these, all the new QB offensive coordinator pairings, which is really interesting this year. I feel like this offseason has been chaotic, interesting, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it. I feel like it's been more of that this offseason compared to others in the past. Yeah, you can say that again. It feels <laughs> like I'm already like running on empty and the games haven't even started while we're trying to cover uh, realignment and whether the ACC is going to add more schools, what Florida State is saying. I mean, you name it. Uh, it, it feels like a bingo card has been checked off every single box. So um, it has been busy and maybe the ACC would like to be in the news for other reasons beyond maybe some of the narrative that's been out there about the conference. But I do think that this season presents a really huge opportunity for the league to really start changing the narrative um, surrounding football, quite frankly. You know, you got two preseason top 10 teams, you have a potential number one pick at North Carolina in, in Drake Bay. You have other programs that I think uh, are going to be poised to to have top 25 type seasons. When I look at Pitt and what they bring to the table, NC State, Louisville, maybe Miami can sneak in there, although I, I'm still a little bit questioning um, whether they get there this year or next year. Uh, but I think there's a lot to like about what ACC teams are bringing to the table this season. And you named the reason the, the quarterbacks and uh, the combination with some of the new offensive coordinators that are in place, helping them, uh, I think uh, leads me to believe that this could be a really big year for the conference. Well, and before we actually get to the football games, I did want to ask you about realignment. Unfortunately, we were supposed to have another meeting. It got postponed due to the tragic events that happened in Chapel Hill earlier this week. And so clearly it's an understanding as to why they haven't given you another date on the postponement yet. But Andrea, I did want to ask you what is admittedly a very loaded question that's not very specific where do we stand with acc expansion right now 
Yeah, well, you know, thoughts and, and prayers are obviously with North Carolina right now. And out of respect for everything that's going on, the presidents have not rescheduled that call because they understand that you know, North Carolina's chancellor is dealing with something um, that nobody ever wants to have to deal with right now. So I don't feel that there's a, a sense of urgency at this point because the presidents know that um, Chapel Hill is dealing with, with something. But at the same time, based on the recent conversations that I have had, and let me tell you, I've had a lot of them over the course of the last two weeks, um, nobody has flipped yet. And so there's four no votes. That's uh, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State. Uh, the ACC needs one of them to change their mind in order to be able to get expansion through. But as of right now, nobody has changed their mind. They're still talking and looking at the financial models and what does it look like if SMU takes no money and Cal and Stanford only take 30% of their television money. Um, so, you know, I think that's why they're really also, in addition to what happened at North Carolina, isn't much of a sense of urgency to get that call back on the books because they're not going to take a vote unless they know they have the votes. And right now, I am not sure they have enough to get to 12. Andrea Adelson joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow her on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN. And Andrea, I want to ask you uh, this weekend, when you talk about LSU, Florida State, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, South Carolina, if you had one game that you could watch this weekend and that's it, which one would it be and why? Well, I can tell you I will be watching Florida State LSU in the stadium in Orlando. So uh, I'm excited that I have a very short commute uh, on Sunday uh, to be able to get there uh, because I live very close to the stadium. But obviously, you know, that to me is the one that has the biggest college football playoff implica implications right out of the gate um, because both those teams are ranked in the preseason top 10. We've kind of been waiting on Florida State to get back to a point where they can compete for national championships. And Florida State returns a whole lot of starters, both on offense and defense. So there's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement surrounding Florida State. And by the way, they haven't really shied away from those expectations. They've embraced those expectations. Nobody has privately said, you know, I don't know, I wish people would stop talking about us. No, um, they, they are uh, fully aware uh, of what people are saying. Uh, and, and a large reason that they've embraced it is because they believe in their locker room they have the potential uh, to, to make the playoff this year and to win an ACC championship. Think about where this program was when Mike Norvell took over four years ago and where they are right now, preseason number eight, uh, with a game that has playoff implications. So that, to me, is the biggest one. And, and we all know that given what Florida State has been saying about realignment and their status, in the ACC, a lot of people are going to be paying attention to this game because we know football is so important during any sort of realignment conversation. And so it's put an even greater microscope on what Florida State does on the football field this season because, quite frankly, up until last season, that program hadn't really been living up to their end of the bargain on the football field. So that's the one I'm excited for, um, and I can't wait to see how it shakes out on Sunday. 
Andrea, I also wanted to ask you to go a little bit outside of the ACC. I saw you contributed to the feature on Deion Sanders that's on ESPN.com right now. And you talked about the things that he learned under Bobby Bowden and Mickey Andrews and their over-under win total, three and a half. What do you think about Deion and this Colorado program? And do you feel like that Florida State might have uh, missed the mark there by not going after him when they had the chance? Uh, well, no, because I think Mike Norvell has done a good job at, at Florida State taking a, a program that was in serious trouble uh, to 10 wins last season um, and uh, possible, you know, contender, definitely, uh, for a playoff and uh, ACC championship. So at that moment, he was a more proven head coach. Um, and so I don't blame Florida State for doing what they did. As for what Dion is doing at Colorado, you know, I was excited to be able to contribute to that story because as somebody who grew up in the state of Florida, I'm well aware of Dion as a, a football player um, and uh, very intrigued to see what he's done at Colorado because it seems on the outside to be extremely unorthodox in terms of the turnover that they've had on their roster. Um, they basically turned it almost entirely over, um, which has never happened before, completely unprecedented in college football. And we've heard a lot of coaches from around the country kind of questioning, what is he doing? How could he be doing this? How unfair is that to the players? How can you just get rid of so many players? But he's taken advantage of the rules that are in place right now. And he looked at his roster, and he saw how bad that team was a year ago. Not only just a one-win team, but getting blown out week in and week out. They lost their games by an average of like 30 points. Do you want to bring back a roster full of guys who don't know how to win? And so his philosophy has essentially been, uh, we need to win now, and I need the players to come in here and do the things that are required to win. And those are the types of things that Dion learned from Bobby Bowden and his defensive coordinator, Mickey Andrews. What does it take to get your team and your players focused on putting in the hard work and the discipline necessary to be able to become a champion? And when I talked to Mickey Andrews for the story, he just told me how tireless Dion was as a worker at Florida State. Nobody worked harder than Dion Sanders. And I know that because he's got prime time and he's flashy and he's all got his videos and his sayings, people think that he's, oh, yeah, just a flashy, laid-back kind of guy. He is absolutely not. Um, he is somebody who is driven and understands that players have to be pushed to a different level to be able to achieve their potential. And so I, I think he's a little bit misunderstood in that regard. So I hope folks who go to ESPN.com and read the story just have a different understanding of kind of the background on the, the coaching aspect and where Deion Sanders comes from that have kind of informed the way he has now approached his job as a head coach, both at, at Jackson State and at Colorado. That's the voice of Andrea Adelson joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Again, follow her on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN. Andrea, we mentioned the QB offensive coordinator pairings, the new ones this year. In fact, it's because of the change that makes it so intriguing to me and so many others that love the conference and are excited about it this upcoming season. Whether it be most consequential, whether you think it's because there's the widest range of outcomes, what is that OC QB pairing that you're going to be paying the most attention to this year? Definitely NC State with Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I, because I think it is obvious to anybody who watched Virginia uh, a year ago, Brennan Armstrong was not the same quarterback that he was when Robert and I was the offensive coordinator there. And so now they're reunited at NC State. And the thing that I'm 
really excited to see. Um, is NC State look different on offense, quite frankly, right? I mean, this has been kind of a predictable, ho-hum type of unit. And now you bring in what Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I like to do in terms of some air raid type principles, uh, spread principles, and those sorts of things with a quarterback who has the type of running ability uh, and grit and toughness that Brennan Armstrong has. Again, it's no slight to, to previous quarterbacks at NC State. It's just going to look different. And I think it was time for NC State to look different on offense. So you pair what they're bringing to the table with what be an outstanding defense coming back once again. You know, Tony Gibson has proven himself year in and year out to be among the best defensive coordinators in the entire country. And I just think the Robert and I, Brennan Armstrong pairing is the one that I'm paying the most attention to um, because I think it has the potential to pay off uh, with big dividends uh, this season for the Wolfpack. All right, Andrea, last question before we get you out of here. I know the games are going to start officially, officially this weekend. So I want to know who's your ACC champion. Give us a dark horse. And then I'm guessing Drake May will be your player of the year. <laughs> yes, very, very good. I think uh, that was probably an easy one to guess, right? Um, although maybe some people would say Jordan Travis, but uh, I definitely think it's going to be Drake. Uh, I chose Clemson as my preseason favorite. Uh, I know there are some others who probably took Florida State. You know, Those will probably be the two top favorites anyway going into the season. I think Clemson has an edge defensively. Uh, on Florida State. I think overall talent depth-wise, they're probably a little bit better than Florida State. And they've got Florida State at home this season. Florida State has not beaten Clemson in seven years, so I kind of need to see it first before I pick Florida State. So that's kind of why I pick Clemson. And as for a dark horse this season, I'll just give you a couple of teams that I think can potentially exceed their their win total by a lot from a year ago. And I'm just going to start with Boston College. You know, this is a, a team that um, struggled last year uh, with an offensive line that basically was a mash unit, completely banged up, did not have their top offensive lineman for the season, and that led to uh, injuries to Phil Dracovic, um, not uh, able to run the ball. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for that offense. Very impressed talking to their new quarterback, Emmett Moorhead and Christian Mahogany, their top offensive lineman who's back. They've now got experience on the offensive line. And I also think their schedule kind of plays into their favor. So I expect Boston College to be a bold team this year and to be a, a team that people are looking at uh, that sees a significant improvement from where they were a year ago. You can find Andrea's work on ESPN.com. Also her Twitter handle at a Adelson ESPN, her and David Hale among the best duos out there when it comes to covering a conference. Although Andrea, I can't imagine that you fought David on ranking all 133 <laughs> FBS teams into tiers. Is that something that you did fight for? <laughs> he, sent, he sent the email to be like, let me know how this looks. And I may or may not have just immediately hit delete. So, you know, God bless David Hale. If Wes ever asked me to rank, hey, can you take a look at this thing that I ranked 250 of? I don't know what the category is going to be. It could be ice cream flavors. It could be fast food restaurants. It could be teams. I'm going to glance over it. I'm going to say, yes, that works for me. That's the great Andrea Edelson on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Excited for football, Andrea. Can't wait to talk to you about it a little bit down the road. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, guys. No doubt. All right. That is uh, Andrea Adelson talking ACC. It's great stuff. Um, can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Look at all the games. Florida State, LSU. I can't wait for that Colorado game. Yeah. And, and just even in college ACC football matchups. in general. Yep. Yeah, going to Duke, so I'm excited. Clemson and Duke is going to be fun. North yeah. Carolina, South Carolina, right here in the city of Charlotte. It's here. Oh! I was waiting. I was waiting. You need a Fabo yell. Go ahead, Fiddy. What you got for us? All right. We didn't. We we knew this was a possibility. Even though, even, even though he made the initial roster, but the Panthers have waived quarterback Matt Corral, according oh. to Tom Pelissero, <laughs> Ian Rappaport, and some of the guys here locally. They're starting to get on it too. They had to make moves because they claimed three guys off a of waiver. Oh, off of waivers. One of the casualties is the former Ole Miss quarterback. Mm. You heard Wes in pain. We will get to why he is in pain <laughs> on the other side of the break, and then we will continue team week even after that. We'll talk about South Carolina's defensive unit South this upcoming Cacolac. season. Uh, that really messed me up. I don't know why. I've heard Cacalacky <laughs> before. Wes Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back on a War Cry Wednesday. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line 704-570-9610. Hit up that WFNZ Twitter and Instagram page. The Weston Walker Twitter page. West Bryant underscore 72 at Walker Mail at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. We left you with the news that Matt Corral will not be a part of the Carolina Panthers roster this season. He is now gone with the roster moves that they made. Somebody had to go, and he is one of the gods. And Walker might have embellished just a little bit. But Uh I did not think that uh, Matt Corral was going to be cut. I thought that maybe off the potential and the fact that uh, the limited football that he's played over the last couple of seasons, that they would bring him back. And as far as just him not playing much this season as far as preseason reps go, and then the previous season when he missed all of last year. I thought that maybe they would give him some time to develop in their system, but it was not to be. So I saw somebody, I think it was Marcus Mosher, he said a little birdie told him that Matt Corral did not have a good training camp. I don't know if we heard he had an outright bad training camp. Yeah, we never saw anything definitive either direction never never saw that it was really good though and we got to see in preseason game number one it was pretty bad for him game two made a lot of progress and gave himself i think a fighting chance to actually remain on this roster for the foreseeable future but he gets cut and we'll see if anybody wants to pick him up or if he's a possible practice squad guy i think that would make a lot of sense so they made a couple of moves off waivers the guys that were the corresponding moves it's matt corral chandler wooten who we mentioned a little bit earlier and Derek wright a wide receiver the seventh wide receiver to be on the roster after the panthers traded for amir smith marset after they traded for him and he was the sixth guy. Shy Smith got cut. I thought it was going to be tough for Derek Wright 
to make it past what is just one more wave, right? Because everybody gets cut to get to the 53. And then if you're on the fringe there, even after everybody gets cut, and then you get to see, okay, now I actually like that other player that got waived by the other franchise. It's going to be tough to stay on the squad that way too. So Derek Wright, Chandler Wooten, Matt Corral, all of those Carolina Panthers were waived or cut after the Carolina Panthers picked up a few off of waivers. Uh, I'm going to say Claudine Cherilis, linebacker out of Alcorn State from the Jets. Deshaun Jameson, defensive back from San Francisco who went to Texas. And then the last player is Calvin Throckmorton. That is a hell of a last name. Calvin Throckmorton from New Orleans, a tackle out of Oregon. Those were the three players that the Panthers claimed. Yeah, and so... um Man, so you think that the Panthers will bring him back on the practice squad? What do you think the interest will be for Matt Corral? Yeah, that's interesting. Matt Corral apparently wasn't as coveted in the NFL draft as most people thought. When we talked about the QBs that would be drafted first and foremost, it was what? Kenny Pickett, who got drafted in the first round, Mm -hmm. and that was the only QB of that past NFL draft class. And then you wait a long time before Malik Willis gets drafted. You wait a long time before Matt Corral gets drafted. And then even going down the list, it didn't seem like there was anybody else that loved him enough. Carolina traded up for him. So Carolina, clearly, they had their chance a couple of times and then even traded up to go get him. I don't know. It's a good question. But apparently none of the other teams liked him enough to go get him when he was very easily attainable. Like maybe you wanted to use a third round pick on a different position. That's exactly what would happen. But he wasn't coveted enough to where Carolina just beat a whole bunch of teams to the punch even early on in the second round, right? So I I don't know how much intrigue is out there. A guy hadn't played. It's really tough because he got injured immediately last season, missed a lot of football, and in especially with a different regime taking over with Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer being here, but Frank Reich being the new coach. You have a different offensive coordinator now. It was always going to be tough, and now he's not on the 53-man anymore. Uh, Carolina probably will bring him back on the practice squad if he's available, just because they only have two QBs. I know you probably want to keep one QB on the practice squad, but I think that's probably, you know, we'll we'll see if it happens. I just don't think there's a lot of intrigue there. Yeah, I think so many NFL teams are so quarterback-hungry, the chance to get their hands on a young prospect that was just recently a third-round pick that's shown a little bit of promise, maybe not necessarily to be some superstar, but a guy that they may – can bring into their systems and and get them get him up to speed and maybe try to cash in on that potential. I think that's going to be an intriguing part of, of this whole saga for him. I think somebody else will claim him off of waivers before the Panthers get a chance to get him back in that system, but that remains to be seen. But what will be heard right now, Team Week, South Carolina defense, let's go, cue it up. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Underneath, Lattimore, touchdown, South Carolina. And your biggest heartbreaks. What a hit. Ball's free. On the ground. South Carolina. Clowney just says, I'll take care of business right here. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. All right, the South 
Carolina Gamecocks and this defense, they returned four starters led by safety Nick Emanwari and defensive tackle Tonka Hemingway. You talk about all-name team right there. Tonka, man, were you a Tonka truck guy? I was not as much yeah, of a Tonka either. truck guy. Yeah, I actually grew up playing with a lot of John Deere tractor, Lincoln Logs type stuff, Legos. Those were a couple of the toys that come to mind. Not the biggest Tonka truck. Well, I'll tell you what. Teams were running through South Carolina like a Tonka truck last year when you talk about some of the rushing yards that they allow. When we talk about their SEC ranks last season in scoring defense, they were 10th in the country. Rushing defense, 13th. Oh, I'm sorry, 10th in the SEC. Rushing defense, 13th in the SEC. Pass defense, they were 5th. Pass efficiency defense, 7th. Third down defense, they were 12th. When you talk about third down percentage, Total defense, they were 10th. So safe to say they definitely need some reinforcements to come in and improve what they once had because last season they allowed 200 yards or more seven times, especially on the road. They definitely gave up a lot of runs, a lot of running backs looking like Tonka trucks as they ran <laughs> through that defense. They run a 4-2-5 scheme. And as we said, they've got some players coming back with Nick Emanwari, who was the Game Cox's leading tackler last season with 85 stops that he had on the season. And so this unit, man, they've got a lot of fresh faces that are going to be coming up. They lost NFL draft pick Zach Pickens on the interior defensive line. Tonka Hemingway, as we talked about, he had eight tackles for loss and four sacks a year ago. They're also going to get back Jordan Strahan, who's coming back for his seventh year after an injury play career, only played in two games in 2022 before he got a season-ending ACL injury. And just a couple of seasons ago in 2020, he had 10 and a half sacks while he was at Georgia State. Terrell Dawkins also on the edge expected to contribute. The linebackers is also a unit uh, that needs to get better. If Mohamed Kaba is able to get back to full strength, he suffered an ACL injury in the second game of last year. This is a guy that they are going to be counting on a lot. The secondary, we told you about him and Worry. And so they also have to fill in that cornerback position where defensive back coach Torian Gray has to replace Cam Smith and Darius Rush. Both of these guys were NFL caliber players. So South Carolina has a lot of work to do when you talk about parts that they have to fill in the blanks. But uh, this is a unit that's definitely not quite as bad as the Tar Heels, but a unit that definitely needs some help and ASAP. Well, I mean, I, I think they have, I think they're similar to North Carolina in the sense that there's a big weakness where, well, North Carolina's weakness is getting after the passer. They were bad all around, okay? But they were really bad at getting after the passer. South Carolina just wasn't good at stopping the run, as you mentioned. I actually am okay with their pass defense, especially when it comes to the secondary. If their defensive line can get after the quarterback this year, the secondary, I expect to be pretty good this season with some of the players that you mentioned. But can they be good enough against the run to the point where, or yeah, can they be good enough against the run where they can actually take advantage of what is, I think, a talented defensive backfield? Because you're talking about young guys, too. Right. Like you're talking about freshmen that were contributing in the defensive backfield last year. So another year under the belt, 
You would expect them to grow and learn from everything that took place last season. So can they take advantage of good safety and cornerback play because they don't just get ran all over like they did last season? That was the big problem. And that's the thing with pass defense or run defense. It can always be a bit skewed because if I'm running for over 200 yards on a defense, then hell, I'm not going to want to throw the ball as much. But uh, this is the secondary, like I said, that will greatly benefit from better play up front. It's plain and simple. What what's crazy, though, is yes, right? Like, we have to take into effect that teams are going to run against them because they are so bad against the run. But even still, even with the limited amount of pass possessions or throws that the opposing offense would have, the Gamecocks were still one of the better turnover teams out there as far as from a, uh, as far as you consider a defensive standpoint. Only 12 teams had more interceptions than the Gamecocks. I think that says a lot. So if you run against a team a ton because they're not very good at it, and that means you have limited pass possessions, and in those possessions, there's only 12 teams in all of college football that has more interceptions than you do. I think that does go to show, yeah, the passing defense, the secondary, it's totally legit. Now it's all about making the quarterback feel under pressure and stopping the run enough to where they have to throw it. You get them in third and long situations, even just more throwing downs. Can you get them in more throwing downs to take advantage of all that talent that you have on the back end? Yeah, and so when you look at this unit as well, They're going to be tested early and often when you talk about this South Carolina defense. And whether you talk about the quarterback position or the running back position, this is a crew that's going to have to be on the lookout. You start the season out with Drake May and the North Carolina offense. And even though they didn't have necessarily a superstar special back, they were still pretty adept at running the football sixth in the ACC in that Drake May is also a threat to run the ball as well. Then you look at them playing Georgia as their third game of the season. We know what the Bulldogs bring to the table on top of Carson Beck looking like a prospect that a lot of people are saying is going to be maybe a first-round caliber, second-round caliber player. Then the Florida Gators uh, come up in that schedule down the line. When you talk about a running game, Trevor Etienne looks like he's beginning to become a star. The Tennessee offense, we know the big plays that they represent. And then Mississippi State, we know that's always going to be a team that is going to challenge. So this South Carolina defense, they're going to have to get this thing going and get it going quick because they are going to be tested early by some pretty potent offenses. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about what is going to be a really tough schedule right off of the bat. And even... Even in week one, look, maybe North Carolina's offense isn't going to be as good as last year. That that perhaps is a thing because you lose a Josh Downs and you might not even have Walker this game, which is really unfortunate. We still don't have a ruling on what's going to take place there with the wide receiver. You expected them to make a big impact this season. Even so, you're never going to feel comfortable going up against Drake May, who is widely regarded as the second best QB in all of college football. So there's only one QB you'd rather not face. Only one in the entire country. And he's all the way over there at USC, the real USC, you might say, at Southern California. I am interested in this game week one because it is going to say a lot about North Carolina's defense and South Carolina's defense a lot. In fact, Michael Felder talked about it on the Kyle Bailey show discussing what this game in Charlotte will come down to. The key for me in this football game is uh, what does it look like on defense? You got Tamari Fox. I don't know what that's going to look like for, for North Carolina. I, I truly have no idea what to expect out of this North Carolina defense outside of Power Eccles. And it seems like he's a guy trying to put his finger in every hole in the boat. And when you're doing that, that means you're not just doing your job. You're doing other people's jobs. makes it really hard to play football. 
Wow, I'm uh, surprised he did not uh, highlight Cedric Gray there as well. But uh, this is going to be a game of which defense will step up because we know that as far as the quarterback position, I think North Carolina is a little more equipped offensively as far as some of the weapons that they have. But Spencer Rattler and Drake May, if they both come with their A games, it's going to come down to which defense can get them more possessions. Uh, South Carolina, this is a toss-up defensively. The only known commodities in this football game is going to be Power Echoes and Cedric Gray because South Carolina as well, so many new parts. Tonka Hemingway, he's a productive player, but not a dominant player to this point. So, Ooh, which defense is going to come to play? Right. I mean, the the theme for me, it's the defensive backs are really talented, even losing them, right? Like that doesn't even take into effect for South Carolina that you lose Cam Smith and Darius Rush, who we talked about, even if he got cut from Indianapolis, still a productive college player. And people are saying, hey, maybe the Panthers should pay attention to Darius Rush because you had two freshmen All-Americans and you even have a Marcellus Dial who people think is going to play a big role at the nickel and within the secondary. That's three guys in that backfield that you feel really good about. It's not even like you're asking a lot from this defensive line, right? I mean, it's very similar to North Carolina in that regard. Just be average. Hey, South Carolina against the run, just be average. Yeah. And then our back-end guys can really take us the rest of the way. So not lofty expectations, not lofty asks for both of those units, but still it's going to come down to whether they can even be competent in a couple of different areas. All right, Fitty, last flash of the day. Let's get it. Fitty. Take a look around the MLB afternoon scoreboard. The Angels lead the Phillies 5-3 in the bottom of the fifth. Walker, your White Sox up 7-5 over the Orioles in the top of the fifth. The oh, tw- yeah, baby. I'm ready for it. Postseason berth. <laughs> the Twins lead the Guardians 2-0 in the sixth. The Padres 1-0 over the Cardinals in the top of the second. And the Cubs lead... The Brewers won nothing in the bottom of the first. Milwaukee's won, I think, eight straight games to really solidify themselves as the team to beat in the NL Central. And a reminder, the crown back at home tonight, 7.30 against Orlando. Coverage starts with the pregame at at 7 o'clock here on WFNZ with uh, Steamboat Pelagic and uh, Jessica Charman. I love Steamboat. (laughs) I I, I still want the T-shirt badly. I have a couple baseball thoughts. I'll share them on the other side of the break. I wanted to talk a little bit about another achievement that almost happened last night, but stay tuned and we can talk about it a little bit more so. All right, well, when we come back, we will close this thing down. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Final 
segment of Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Still have a couple of topics we want to get to. And also want to talk a little bit about fashion, especially over there at Spectrum Center when we talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Wes, I know when you were working for the Hornets, you used that team discount. What, every weekend? Ooh. Is that fair to say? Every weekend. Every week <laughs> down there, man. I was spending a Skrilla in there. Yeah, I know. All right, well, we're going to tell you it would be a great <laughs> idea for you to go over to the fan shop here soon. In fact, we're going to go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and talk to Dave Cromar, the Senior Director of Retail Ops over there at the Spectrum Center and the Fan Shop, right now to talk a little bit about an event they have coming up. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Well, I've got a big surprise. It's Liz Rakoff, Vice President of Marketing for the Charlotte Hornets. Dave couldn't join us today. I'm going to get mad at Brian. I'm going to get mad at Brian for telling me that we have somebody different instead. So that is unfortunate that I led you in to a completely different introduction, and I apologize. But the event's going to be fun all the same. It's going to be a lot of fun. What kind of event do you have going over there at the Hornets Fan Shop? Yeah, we promise we won't pull a switch on you tomorrow. We've got I don't Mark trust Williams. him anymore. I've lost all trust. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I've lost all trust. I don't, I don't know if I can believe anything else he says ever again. Well, believe me, we've got Mark Williams coming in tomorrow, Thursday, August 31st. He's going to be in the fan shop meeting fans, signing autographs from 1.30 to 2.30 tomorrow. Well, and I know this was scheduled a little bit earlier, but I know Mark had an injury and that you had to kind of call it off here. But it is going to be a lot of fun to see that Mark Williams is going to be there tomorrow. So what kind of uh, items do you think or what kind of items have been among the most popular at the fan shop that people can expect to go see? Absolutely. So we've got some new things on the floor right now. We just got in some of our on-court merchandise, warm-up shirts, dry fits, multitude of colors there. And I think the big story that everybody wants to know more about is that classic jersey that we released last Wednesday. While it's not in stores yet, it's coming this fall. Um, we revealed this with Baron Davis and Mellow Ball last week, and um, we got great reception. So definitely stay tuned to our socials at Hornets Fan Shop this fall when that launches at retail. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like especially this era, it's it's – that we usually see what's in the early 90s when you see the pinstripes. Now we got the double pinstripes with some of this merchandise that's going to be available. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Again, Mark Williams is going to be available for autographs, going to be making an appearance at the fan shop tomorrow. So make sure you go check it out. Again, why don't you hit us with some of that information so people know exactly where to go and even if they can't make that stop, where they can go online and maybe shop for some merchandise. Absolutely. Fans can enter our fan shop at Spectrum Center at the entrance right along the light rail. Super easy to get to. The fan shop is going to be open the majority of the day, so if fans want to come down, do a little shopping early. 11 a.m. is when those doors open, and Mark will be there at 1.30 signing autographs and meeting his fans. All right, so great stuff from, no, not anybody else other than Liz Rakoff, Vice President of Marketing for the Charlotte Hornets. Again, make sure you're over there at around, uh, again, make sure you're over there around the Spectrum Center. She will be um, hanging out alongside with Mark Williams at the fan shop, who is going to be signing autographs. You have new retail items. And, uh, yeah, me and Wes are a huge fan of the fan shop. I would be spending a lot of money over there as well if I didn't have enough discipline to control myself sometimes. Liz, we appreciate it and i promise next time you join us we're going to give you a better introduction how about that agreed 
Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, hopefully we give her a better introduction. Again, go make sure you check that out. Mark Williams is going to be hanging out at the fan shop at the Spectrum Center. Uh, what's your favorite item that you ever purchased at the fan shop? Oh, that's a good one. Probably the jackets, uh, the satin jackets that I got over there. Uh, I got Bryce, my son, one, and then I have two. Uh, they're pretty dope. The hoodie that you have, I really like that you wore. It was the black one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the black in front, and then it is mixed in with the teal that you have as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Mitchell and Ness one that's got the, uh, I know which one you talked about. That one's really nice. Yeah. I really like that one quite a bit. And I need to go over there and try to figure out yeah, exactly man. what like else. Like I I'm said, that 30%. I mean, you would go in there, and, uh, you know, when I was doing Hornets, you go in there and you see stuff, and then you start doing the math. People would see me over there with the phone out a lot, doing the math to see how much stuff was going calls what my discount so I could put together what I was going to buy for that day. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. There was one. I was over at the Hornets. Uh, man, it was at the middle portion of the season, and they just have so many cool stuff. When we talked about Michael selling majority stake in the team, we were a little worried, at least I was, that maybe the merchandise wouldn't be as cool because he's going to be selling a stake, but he's a part of the team still, and we are still going to have some cool stuff. All right, let's switch gears. I know you were interested in talking about a soundbite from Noah Lyles. Wes, why don't you set it up? What's going on with Noah Lyles? A trending topic to give you a little appetizer instead of time to trend. We give you just a little appetizer before we get to that on a Friday. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Noah Lyles, he is a gold medal winning track star, 100 meter dash, other races as well. He's big time, but he came out and said that he doesn't think that the NBA are true world champions because they don't go up against teams that are from across the world. So let's hear the soundbite from him. You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. at times. <laughs> But that ain't the world. <laughs> that is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. <laughs> world champion of what? Yeah, so uh, I will say that's one thing that the track and field could use at this point is a big personality. I mean, this definitely introduces him to a lot of people. And I misspoke. He is not an Olympic gold medalist, but he is a bronze medalist, but a six-time world champion uh, nonetheless. But uh, he's been taking a lot of flack for these comments. Everybody from Drake to different NBA players have weighed in. But uh, I, I disagree with him because I think the best players in the world do come to the NBA I get it that they're not necessarily playing against a Spain or a Ecuador or something like that on a nightly basis, but I think the best players in the world playing the NBA, especially with the top players, uh, a lot of them being international players, so I think it's appropriate they can call themselves world champions. I mean, it's just a weird thing to try to say at that point in time. Like, why is that something you feel so strongly about to spread a message like the NBA champs can't call themselves the world champs. Like, I don't, why is that so important to you? Because I'm with you, Wes, you do have the best players in the world playing in the NBA. Okay. So there's one, right? Like, it, it's not like you only accept the best American players. Nikola Jokic might just be the best player in the NBA right now. He wins a championship and he's not playing in another league overseas. The best players are playing in the NBA. 
The other thing is, I guess if you wanted to talk about yeah. the world champions, America does dominate in the Olympics every year. It, their worst season, uh, a year of shame for them, is when they won the bronze medal. I mean, they are world champions. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just go to the straight Olympics, then yes, Team USA can call themselves the world champions. I, di- I didn't get this. I just don't understand why it was so important for him to try to give that kind of emphasis on a message saying that the NBA teams can't call themselves the world champs. Doesn't make any sense. He to had me. been waiting on this. You yeah. saw Drake's comment. He said he practiced this. He probably sounded real hard practicing this in the mirror. That's what he said about it. And so definitely this was something he had in the can that he couldn't wait to say. But he definitely got the clout that he was seeking because it's been a trending topic for the last couple of days. For what? For what? Yeah, why? Yeah, he, was just, he did practice that. I think that's right. All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.